Chapter 3. Those Who Stir in Their Sleep The moon was well up and turned the world into a sharp-edged jigsaw of black and silver as Tiffany and the Feagles headed up onto the downs. The Nakmak Feagles could move in absolute silence when they wanted to. Tiffany had been carried by them herself, and it was always a gentle ride and really quite pleasant, especially if they had had a bath in the last month or so. Every shepherd on the hills must have seen the Feagle Mound at some time or other, no one ever talked about it. Some things were best left unspoken, such as the fact that the loss of lambs on the down where the Feagles lived was much less than it was in more distant parts of the chalk, but on the other hand a few sheep would disappear. They would be the weak lambs or the very old ewes. Feagles liked old strong mutton, the kind that you could chew for hours. The flocks were guarded, and the guards took their pay. Besides, the mound was very close to all that remained of Granny Aching's shepherding hut, and that was almost holy ground. Tiffany could smell the smoke leaking up through the thorn bushes as they got nearer, but at least it was a blessing that she would not have to slide down the hole to get into it. That sort of thing was all very well when you were nine, but when you were nearly sixteen it was undignified, the ruination of a good dress, and, although she would not admit this, far too tight for comfort. But Jeanie, the Kelder, had been making changes. There was an old chalk pit quite close to the mound, reached by a passageway underground. The Kelder had got the boys working on this with bits of corrugated iron and tarpaulin, which they had found in that very distinctive way they had of finding things. It still looked like a typical upland chalk pit, because brambles and climbing henry and twirling betty vines had been trained over it, so that barely a mouse would be able to find its way inside. Water could get in, though, dripping down the iron and filling barrels down below. There was a much larger space now for cooking, and even enough room for Tiffany to climb down if she remembered to shout out her name first, when hidden hands pulled strings and opened the way through the impassable brambles as if by magic. The Kelder had her own private bathroom down there. The Feagles themselves took a bath only when something reminded them, such as an eclipse of the moon. Amber was whisked down the hole, and Tiffany waited impatiently close to the right spot in the bramble forest until the thorns magically moved aside. Jeanie the Kelder, almost as round as a football, was waiting for her, a baby under each arm. "'I am very pleased to see you, Tiffany,' she said, and for some reason that sounded odd and out of place. "'I have told the boys to go and let off steam outside,' the Kelder went on. "'This is women's work, and not a pretty errand at that, I'm sure you will agree.' They have laid her down by the fire, and I have started to put the soothings on her. I do think she will bide fine, but it was a good job you have done this night. Your famous Mistress Weatherwax, her own self, could not have done a better job. She taught me to take away pain, said Tiffany. You dinner say, said the Kelder, giving Tiffany a strange look. I hope you never have occasion to regret the day she did you that kindness. At this point several feagles appeared down the tunnel that led into the main mound. They looked uneasily from their kelder to their hag, and a very reluctant spokesfeagle said, "'Not to be barging in or anything, ladies, but we was cooking up a wee late-night snack, and Rob said to ask if the big wee hag would like a wee tasty.' Tiffany sniffed. There was a definite scent in the air, and it was the kind of scent you get when you have sheep meat in close conjunction with, for example, a roasting pan.' All right, she thought, we know they do it, but they might have the good manners not to do it in front of me. The spokesfeagle must have realised this, because while wringing the edge of his kilt madly with both hands, as a feagle generally did when he was telling an enormous lie, he added, 
Well, I think I did hear that maybe a piece of sheep kind of accidentally fell into the pan when it was cooking, and we tried to drag it out, but, well, you ken what sheep is like, it panicked and fought back. At this point, the speaker's obvious relief at being able to cobble some kind of excuse together led him to attempt greater heights of fiction, and he went on, "'It is my thinking that it must have been suicidal, owing to having nothing to do all day but eat grass.' He looked hopefully at Tiffany to see if this had worked, just as the kelder cut in sharply and said, "'Wee honey-mouthed jock, just you go in there and say that the big wee hag would like a mutton sandwich, okay?" She looked up at Tiffany and said, "'No arguing, girl. You look to me to be all but swaying for want of a decent hot meal. I ken well that witches looks after everybody but themselves. Run ye along, boys.' Tiffany could still feel a tension in the air. The Kelder's solemn little gaze stayed fixed on her, and then Jeanie said, "'Can you remember yesterday?' It sounded like a silly question, but Jeanie was never silly. It was worth thinking about, although Tiffany yearned for some suicidal sheep and a decent night's sleep. "'Yesterday, well, I suppose it's the day before yesterday now, I was called over to buckle without,' she said thoughtfully. "'The blacksmith there had not been careful with his forge, "'and it had broken open and shot hot coals all down his leg. "'I treated him and took away the pain which I had put in his anvil. "'For the doing of this I was paid twenty-four pounds of potatoes, three cured deer-skins, half a bucket of nails, "'one old but serviceable sheet good enough to make bandages, "'and one small jar of hedgehog fat, "'which his wife swore was a capital remedy for inflammation of the pipes. "'I also had a good helping of stew with the family.' Then, since I was in the vicinity, I went on to buckle with many, where I saw to Mr. Gower's little problem. I mentioned to him about the hedgehog fat, and he said it was a wonderful cure for the unmentionables, and traded me one whole ham for the jar. Mrs. Gower made me tea, and allowed me to pick a bushel basket of love in a pickle, which grows more freely in her garden than I've ever seen it grow anywhere else. Tiffany paused a moment. Oh, yes, and then I stopped off at wit's end to change a poultice, and then I went and sought the baron... "'and then, of course, the rest of the day was my own. <laughs> "'But on the whole, it was not a bad day, as days go, "'as people were too busy thinking about the fair. "'And as days go, the day has gone,' said the Kelder, "'and no doubt it was a busy and useful one. "'But all day I had premonitions about ye, Tiffany aching.' "'Jeanie held up a small nut-brown hand as Tiffany began to protest, "'and went on, "'Tiffany, ye must know that I watch over you.' "'Ye are the hag of the hills, after all, "'and I have the power to watch ye in Mahid, "'to keep an eye on ye, because somebody must. "'I know ye know this, because ye are clever, "'and I know that ye pretend to me that ye do not know, "'just as I pretend not to know that I know, "'and I am sure that ye know that too, yes?' "'I might have to work all that out with a pencil and paper,' "'Tiffany said, trying to laugh it off. "'It is nay funny. "'I can see ye clouded in Mahid.' "'Danger around ye, and the worst of it is I canna see from whence it comes, and that is not right.' Just as Tiffany opened her mouth, half a dozen feagles came scurrying down the tunnel from the mound, carrying a plate between them. Tiffany couldn't help noticing, because witches always notice things as they possibly can, that the blue decoration around the edge of the plate looked very much like that on her mother's second-best dinner service. The rest of the plate was obscured by a large piece of mutton, along with jacket potatoes.' It smelled wonderful, and her stomach took over her brain. A witch took her meals where she could, and was happy to get them. The meat had been cut in half, although the half for the kelder was slightly smaller than the half for Tiffany. 
strictly speaking, you cannot have a half that is smaller than the other half, because it wouldn't be a half, but human beings know what it means. And Kelders always had a huge appetite for their size, because they had babies to make. This wasn't time to talk, anyway. A feagle offered Tiffany a knife, which was in fact a feagle claymore, and then held up a rather grubby tin can with a spoon stuck in it. Relish, he suggested shyly. This was a bit posh for a feagle meal, although Jeanie was civilising them somewhat, insofar as you could civilise a feagle. At least they were getting the right idea. Nevertheless, Tiffany understood enough to be wary. What's in it? she asked, knowing that this was a dangerous question. Oh, wonderful stuff, said the feagle, rattling the spoon in the can. There's crab apple there is, and mustard seed and horseradish, and snails and wild herbs and garlic, and a sprinkling of Johnny come lately. But he had gabbled one word a bit too quickly for Tiffany's taste. Snails, she interrupted. Why, yes, very nourishing, full of vitamins and minerals you can, and those wee proteinies, and the nice thing is, with enough garlic, they taste of garlic. What do they taste of if you don't use garlic, said Tiffany. "'Snails,' said the Kelder, taking pity on the waiter, "'and I have to say they are good eating, my girl. "'The boys let them out at night to graze on wild cabbage and dog lettuce. "'They are quite tasty, and I think you might approve of the fact "'that there is no stealing involved.' "'Well, that was a good thing,' Tiffany had to admit. "'Feagles did steal, joyously and repeatedly, as much for sport as anything else. "'On the other hand, to the right people, in the right place, at the right time, "'they could be very generous, and this was—' "'Fortunately, happening right now. "'Even so, Feagle's farming,' she said aloud. "'Oh, no,' said the spokes Feagle, "'while his fellows behind him pantomimed insulted distaste "'by making yuck noises and sticking their fingers down their throat. "'It is nay farming, it is livestock herding, "'as is suitable for them who is free your spirit "'and likes to feel the wind up their kilt. "'Mind ye, the stampedes can be a wee bit embarrassing.' "'Have some, please do,' the Kelder pleaded. "'It will encourage them. "'In fact, the new feagle cuisine was quite tasty. "'Perhaps it's true what they say,' thought Tiffany, "'that anything goes with garlic. "'Except custard. "'Don't mind my boys,' said Jeanie, "'when they had both eaten their fill. "'The times are changing, and I think they know it. "'For ye, too, how do ye feel?' "'Oh, you know, the usual,' said Tiffany. "'Tired, flustered and upset, that sort of thing.' "'You work too hard, my girl. I fear you do not have enough to eat, and I certainly see you don't get enough sleep. When did you last sleep the night in a proper bed, I wonder? You ken that you must have sleep. You cannot think properly without some time to rest. I fear you will soon need all the strength you can muster. Would you like me to put the soothings on you?' Tiffany yawned again. "'Thank you for offering, Jeanie,' she said. "'But I don't think I need them, if it's all the same to you.' There was a pile of greasy fleeces in the corner that had probably not long before belonged to a sheep who had decided to say goodbye to the cruel world and commit suicide. They looked very inviting. "'I'd better go and see to the girl.' Tiffany's legs did not seem to want her to move. "'Still, I expect she is as safe as houses in a feagle mound.' "'Oh, no,' said Jeanie softly, as Tiffany's eyes shut. "'Much, much safer than houses.' When Tiffany was actually snoring, Jeanie walked slowly up and into the mound itself. Amber was curled up near the fire, but Rob anybody had stationed some of the older and wiser feagles around her. This was because the evening fighting was going on. The knack-mack feagle fought as often as they breathed, and generally at the same time. It was by way of being a way of life, in a way. 
Besides, when you were only a few inches tall, you had the whole world to fight, and so you might as well learn early. Jeanie sat down by her husband and watched the brawling for a while. Young feagles were bouncing off the walls, their uncles and one another. Then she said, "'Rob, do you think we are bringing our boys up properly?' Rob, anybody who was sensitive to Jeanie's mood, glanced across at the sleeping girl. "'Oh, I no doubt about it. Hey, did you no see that? Slightly more wee than wee jock jock kicked after Woolly in the pog. Wonderful dirty fighting, and he's still only three inches high.' "'He is going to make a grand warrior one day, Rob, that's true enough,' said Jeanie. "'But I always tell them,' Rob anybody went on excitedly as the young feagle flew over their heads, "'that the way to success is always to attack only people who are much bigger than ye are. Important rule.' Jeanie sighed as another young feagle smacked into the wall, shook his head, and rushed back into the fight. It was almost impossible to hurt a feagle— any human who tried to stamp on a feagle would find that the little man he thought was under his boot was now in fact climbing up his trouser leg, and after that the day could only get worse. Besides, if you saw one feagle, there were probably many more around that you hadn't spotted, and they had certainly spotted you. Perhaps the big jobs have bigger problems because they're bigger than us, the Kelder thought. She sighed inwardly. She would never let her husband know this, but sometimes she did wonder whether a young feagle might profitably be taught something like, well, accountancy. Something that didn't mean you had to bounce off the walls, and didn't mean you had to fight all the time. But then would he still be a feagle? "'I'm feared for the big wee hag, Rob,' she said. "'Something is wrong.' "'She wanted to be a hag, lassie,' said Rob. "'Now she has to dree her weird, same as us. "'She's a bonny fighter again.' "'She kissed the Lord of the Winter to his death "'and banged the Queen of the Elves with a frying-pan. "'And I mind the time that invisible beastie got into her heed "'and she wrestled it and sent it away. "'She fights.' "'Oh, I ken that well enough,' said the Kelder. "'She kissed the face so winter and made springtime come again. "'It was a great thing she did, sure enough, "'but she had the mantle of the summer about her. "'It was that power she dealt to him, not just her own. "'She did it well, mind. "'I can think of none who would have done it better.' "'But she must beware.' "'What enemy can she have that we canna face with her?' Rob asked. "'I canna tell,' said the Kelder. "'But in my heed it seems like this. "'When she kissed the winter, it shook me to my roots. "'It seemed like it shook the world, and I canna but wonder "'that there might be those who stirred in their slumber. "'You make certain, Rob, anybody, to keep more than one eye on her.'